Light from Lantern presents Knit a Spell. I'm magical maker Katie Rempe. And I'm the maker of magic, James Devine. Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting and the craft. Hello, Katie. Hey there, Jim. I'm excited for this episode. Me too. We're going to talk about making ritual, ritual making. See Ooh. how we did that? We're going to talk about ritual making, making mm. ritual. See how that? Okay. Ooh, yes, it works both ways. Not everyone gets my things sometimes. <laughs> they're, they're up there. They're out there. It's, it takes a lot of brilliance. The smart people get it. The paper got out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in the second half, we're going to talk about witches' covens and knitting circles. And this yeah. was kind of your idea, which I thought was brilliant. How when you're knitting, it's often knitting in a circle. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, witches meet in circles. Mm-hmm. Yep. The knitting circle. The, the witches' circle. circle. Yep. The witches crafting circle. circle. Yeah. Yes. And crafting circle. Oh, I see what you did the same thing. Yes. See? Crafting. Yeah. Crafting. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. See how we are? See how we are? We're terrible together. <laughs> We're ridiculous. We're kind of the same person. A little bit. That's Our nice. brains are merging. Okay. Well, so let's talk about, let's talk about ritual making. Yes. All right. So what does the term ritual mean in magic? Oh, Yeah. Ritual. So, well, let's just talk about that word ritual, right? I mean, mm. we use it all the time. What's your morning ritual, right? So we talk like whenever we're like, I got to change my, I mean, are we doing this now coming out of COVID? What's your morning ritual? I got to lose that 20 pounds I gained eating all that sourdough bread <laughs> that I made all during COVID, right? That's right. Um, so what's my morning ritual? Um, what's the ritual of something. So we use it kind of in a mundane way, but when we're talking about magic, mm-hmm. suddenly ritual. Oh, and I guess we also talk about it in religion, I guess uh, it suddenly occurs to me, right? Yeah. Like I'm going to uh religious, you know, religion. I'm going to go to my service on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, ri- it's my religious ritual. Right. Yep. But when he, suddenly when we're talking about it in magic, it suddenly has this sort of like ritual. Yeah. Ooh, it's got a, a mystery around it. Yeah. Um, so ritual in magical terms, I think is basically the, it is kind of a routine. It is kind of a, like, what is the tradition or what is the way in which we structure, um, the method in which we, and I will say for me and for our tradition, the way in which we structure our access to liminal space and to the experience of the numinous. And what I mean by that is how we experience um, um, access to the divine or access to an experience of something greater than ourselves or access to an experience beyond our regular mundane sort of life. Mm. And so would you say that's the biggest difference between like ritual and routine then? Sort of that? Yeah. I do. I think routine is sort of like, um, I do this thing every day. I sort of do it almost without thinking. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that the connection is I get up in the morning, 
I drink a glass of water. I use the bathroom. I brush my teeth, Mm -hmm. I hop in the shower and then I get dressed and I, and I drive to work. Like I have, I have done those things and sort of like woken up when I'm pouring coffee at work. Ah, Like, and like, I don't even remember my morning. Like, how did I get get here? here? (laughs) Have you ever had that experience where you've sort of like woken up at work in a way and you're like, I'm dressed, my clothes match. I kind of have a cute outfit on, but I don't really remember driving to work and I don't really remember. Yeah. Who did this? <laughs> who, like, I, or just your drive to work. Do you, like, have you ever driven to work and then gotten to work and like, I am glad I didn't get in a car wreck because I do not remember driving to work. Oh yeah. Uh, or like on long trips too, same thing. All of a sudden an hour has gone by and you're like, oh, I'm not even talking to anyone. Where was I? <laughs> Yeah. So in that way, I think there's a little bit of the ritual takes us out of time and space, Mm. takes us out of mundanity. And that might be a little bit of a connection, but I think in magical intentional ritual, we are trying to experience access that step beyond the veil, that step into liminal space so that we can access a magical realm and a, and a place outside of our mundanity, Mm. creating intentional creating intentional space where we can do magic. Yeah. All right. So then that's the difference between you, like you said, getting up, doing your thing, going to work and then sort of waking up there versus someone who has the uh, ritual every morning of getting up and having like a five minute meditation thing, or they read for five minutes or whatever. And that's, they're more uh, awake and in the process of the moment uh, from those things that are their ritual, because otherwise the routine would just be the sort of cruise control aspect. Right, right. Mm. Okay, so then that's so exactly how- the idea of kind of bringing it into magic or uh, making then. Yeah, so how would you bring that into making? Um, I mean, so there are, again, it's kind of the difference between wanting to just follow a pattern um and maybe wanting to customize it, you know, having um, more of your own personal influence in that aspect could make it more uh, ritual. Um, so figuring out maybe like, oh, I want certain colors to put in there or even, um, you know, just just the time you put into it. So saying like, OK, I'm going to make this uh, project. I have an intent that I want to get it done fast. I'm going to work on it every um, Wednesday for, you know, four hours or for an hour a day for, you know, as long as it takes. Um, So having that time put aside where you know, like, okay, this is when I do this time, I turn everything else off. That becomes sort of like the concentration time. Um, And again, that seems to be like the ritual thing. It's like the concentrating the energy into the thing um, and and really recognizing that. So like um, if you wanted to get sort of numerology with it, you could say like, oh, I'm going to start a certain project at 444 every day and I'm going to knit for 44 minutes because, you know, I'm trying to put strength into my project by the power of four Um, And maybe it's a square, you know, it's got four sides. So you're just sort of like expanding the idea out more and more. um, The more you think about it, even though it could be quite simple, but the more you spend time into making it bigger, the bigger impact it could have. 
Yeah, that's a really cool idea. I like that. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, you could use any number, right? And sure. do that with time or with stitches or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. It's also a great way just to keep up on your skills or grow new skills. You know, um, it doesn't have to necessarily be about uh, creating a certain thing or getting a project done. Your ritual could be learning new things. You know, maybe you take a Um, Like Wednesday, which is a day of good communication, and you use that for, you know, taking an hour a day to learn a new skill, learning a new stitch pattern, or learning different ways where you could intersect your magical practices into your making practices. (laughs) Oh, how cool would it be to knit like an orange, like cowl that is dedicated to Mercury, and it's about communication, and you're knitting it on a Wednesday? There you go. That would be way cool to do a mercurial communication piece. And it's the color of mercury and it's on a mercurial day and it's in the hour of mercury. So each day there's mercurial, there's an hour for each of the planets, right? So Mm. there's mercury hour and you could do that. So use those planetary hours in that way. That's how, wow. That's so such a cool idea. Mm, Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, awesome. Or even like, uh, like we've talked about before, the idea of using like the seven day candle or something like that, just anything will, that will get you um, to do something fast, especially incorporating that element of fire. Um, if you had something that you wanted in seven days, maybe because again, the numerology or um, you need something done quick, and this is just the motivational factor to have you get it done in a right. way that's not stressful. It's you're in control of it, you know? Um, we yes. all have deadlines, but it's how we respond to them that <laughs> can help the energy flow. So totally. Yeah. Well, I think about ritual being also, um, you know, we, we talked last episode about spells and in some ways there's some overlap between spells and ritual. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about ritual being the things that we repeat Whereas spells are sort of the things we do. Sometimes we do a spell within the context of a ritual. Like a ritual is the um, the the little bubble that is um, that that is around a spell that we do mm. inside. Not always. Some you don't always need a ritual to surround you know a spell, but sure. sometimes we do a ritual in order to sort of surround a spell or we do a spell and then we do a ritual when we enact the spell, right? Mm. So a ritual in magically is often for us, I'll just give you an example of what a ritual looks like in our tradition or in many other sort of Wiccan or Wiccanite traditions Mm -hmm. is you would um, create a magic circle, create a sacred circle using the power of imagination in your mind, using often a tool like a sword or a knife, you'd cast or cut a magical circle um, outside in a, in a area or inside in a living room or in a magical temple room. And you would use words to encant a magical circle. And then within that circle, you would call on the elements of earth and air and fire and water. You would call in the, the Lord and lady or the goddess and the God. And perhaps you'd call the ancestors or the fairies or whatever other powers are special to your tradition. And in doing so, um, perhaps you would, you would guard or ward the circle with salt. Um, perhaps you would uh, also use um, uh, a form of a chalice and a blade um, to put those together in a certain way to 
create a warding and a protective element to your circle, right? Perhaps there would be a broom that would also help cast a circle of protection around the, around the space. So people do it in many, many different ways. And they would create this sacred space within which then you can do your magic and your spell, right? Mm. Um, and so this is a way of casting a, a ritualistic circle, a ritualistic space within which to do your magic. And then there's a ritual to take it down. Right. And yeah. to release the, bu- the bubble, to pop mm-hmm. the bubble. Mm-hmm. I can do it. Let's see. Ooh, that was a good one. Wait. Oh, there we go. That was good too. To pop the bubble so that the intent and the work that you're doing inside this magic sphere is then released out into the ether and into the world to then bring our magic into physical reality mm-hmm. so that. It's worked. So then the idea is, let me have a place where I can really concentrate, where I have like minds together, Mm. where we're all in alignment. We're all in agreement. I don't know if you've ever tried to do something like, if you've ever tried to read when someone is listening to talk radio or watching the TV, there's talk radio going on over there. There's TV in the living room. You're in the kitchen. You're trying to read. And there's like competing, like, like. (laughs) <laughs> let's just use a really ridiculous example. There's Fox news on the radio. There's NPR. I'm sorry. There's Fox news in the living room. There's NPR on the radio. And you're trying to read a book. Yes. I'm like information overload. <laughs> there's two different opposite opinions going on. There's yes. arguing on both sides and you're trying to read just something fun. Mm. I mean, mm. that would be ridiculous, right? Yes. <laughs> it's really nice to have a little bubble where you can be like, I want a little cone of silence where I can just be. And if I'm going to be with people, I'm going to, I want them to all be on earbuds or I want to be in a library or if they're going to be listening, let's all be listening to something the same or that's harmonious so that we can work together towards something in shared harmony. Right. Yeah. 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 So I think that is something that is also helpful to talk about that kind of hints to what we're going to talk about after the break. But I think right now when we're talking about ritual, like that's what we're really sort of doing. Right. And Mm. so when I think about ritual, I think about this and this relates with some of the things we've talked about in other episodes, right. Why you need a magical space, why you need a magical, you know, or I mean a crafting space, also, right? Yep. So when I think about entering your craft space, what do you do to set up for how you do a project? Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of a ritual there. So do you have any rituals? What's the ritual you do? Think about the, what do you do when you're like, I'm getting antsy to knit? Um, You know, a lot of the time the yarn will do the talking for me. Uh, so it's very like, a sculptor esque, like I can see what it could become just by looking at the, the material oh, sort of a thing. So you're doing a little, a little yarnomancy. Yeah, there you go. I'm defining the project through the hanks of yarn. I didn't even realize that. Yes. That's yeah. pretty cool. You really are doing some fiber, fibromancy, yarnomancy. Yeah. Oh, geez. Well, and then you have to go and find the uh, right needle to give you the gauge that you're going to want to need. So you might have to play around with that a little bit. It's a sort of a ritual of beginning a new design. You know, you have to go through the swatching process. Oh, maybe this needle's too big. Maybe that one's too small. It's about finding that magical middle ground, you know? 
So then you're knitting a little square and maybe several of them to see like which one kind of feels right. So that's really cool. That's part of your ritual. Yep. Right. Okay. Keep going. This is amazing. You really do have a ritual. I do. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Then what happens there? Uh, once you kind of know what the knitted fabric is going to look like, then the design starts to come from that. Uh, so then I'll start to sketch out things, different designs. I'll maybe do it on a person or just do it flat, some watercolor, whatever. Um, and then, yeah, about. Oh, so you're actually, oh, sorry to interrupt. So you're actually drawing or, or like doing a little art piece or doing a little drawing, even with some watercolor and you're sort of like imagining how it might lay how it might sort of wrap around yep. and sort of having some different, and maybe you'll do a few of those. Like I want it to go here. I want it to be this long. I want it mm-hmm. to go here. Like a real fashion designer. Yeah. It's almost like I've had practice with this before. It's yeah. almost like you have your degree in fashion design or something. Imagine that. Yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> used to making like cohesive lines of things. And actually it has been very helpful. I must say one of the more helpful things I learned in school because one idea, maybe it doesn't work out for the thing I'm trying to do at that time, but maybe later it could jump off to being something else. So it's never right. a wasted opportunity, all these little ritualistic things. So, wow. Okay. So then you kind of settle on, I think I know what I'm doing. Yep. I'm and making this a basic vision. <laughs> I, I think I'm knitting this ball gown. Yeah. I think I've, exactly. I'm on it. I'm just yeah, kidding. How did you know? <laughs> this three-year project yes exactly Mm -hmm. uh yep and then from there you cast on and sometimes it works out perfectly the first time as you you know knitted and write down as you go and sometimes you start and you realize oh no (laughs) that doesn't work and you have to take it out and start it again so yeah but you learn and you redo and it's always better after you do that so that's pretty cool. So that's the ritual you have when you're actually designing a project from scratch of some iteration mm. and some experimentation that's there. When you're doing something from a pattern that already exists, or you're doing something again, yeah. like you knit several of those cozies mm-hmm. for people right over the summer, and you're doing something from a pattern that already is there. Is that ritual similar? Like you don't have to draw that out again. What's the ritual for something that's already like in the bag? You already know how to do it. Uh, I always review the pattern, especially if it's not mine, because okay. I have a bad habit of assuming the directions. <laughs> like raise your hand if you're that person. I'm that totally assuming directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so that's a I great. Make it, but that is not necessarily how other designers are making it. And I have been burned on that many times. <laughs> like, are you saying it matters? It might matter. It- I yeah. mean, if you want it to come out a certain way, it might yeah. matter. <laughs> so you stop and breathe, and that would be akin to grounding before yes. I miss that. We also do grounding before we start rituals. So you stop and ground, mm-hmm. and, and in making, that is read the pattern. Yes. And that means looking at the gauge of yarn and the gauge of needles and mm-hmm. reviewing, read through the pattern once and get an idea on like what's coming. Exactly. Yeah. Don't assume that they're going to do something one way instead of another, because maybe they're doing that for a specific reason. Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Read a few, a few lines ahead. So, you know, yeah. yeah, Right. Okay. Um, And, uh, and just re-familiarize yourself because maybe it's only been a day since I worked on it and maybe it's been several years. So. Right. It just depends. Sort of wake up the project again. And, and maybe how many hanks of yarn you might need because 
I mean, I don't know about you, but Richard ran out of yarn and the dye lot was different and he's real mad about it. Oh, I mean, that happens. It's, it's an opportunity for creative improvement. <laughs> and who knows why that may have happened. It could have been a pattern error. It could have been a gauge situation. Maybe the yarn was skimpy. Who knows? There's some beautiful handmade yarns out there and not all dye lots are going to be the same because it's a beautiful handmade yarn. That's, right. That's how we're looking at this. Extra hank <laughs> when you, whenever possible. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, so that's pretty exciting. Um, so now that we've talked a little bit about making our ritual and what that entails, let's uh, take a quick break and then we'll go into knitting circles and witches covens. Yay. We'll be right back. I just love my dog pancakes. In fact, she's the reason I designed the little blankie pattern. It's a cute little throw blanket with a hint of magic that's perfect for any baby, furry or not. Truth be told, I've been known to cuddle up with Little Blanky myself on a few chilly nights. Don't tell pancakes. Learn more about Little Blanky and all of my knitting patterns at lightfromlantern.com. Katie. Jim. You know, I've been hearing a lot lately from people how I'm so much more than a palm reader. So I'm cooking something up and I'm going to launch something kind of amazing. Wait a minute. Are you keeping secrets from me? Mm, yes. Yes. And if you want to know more about it, the first place I'm going to start talking about it. Oh, it's it, probably your Instagram, right? <laughs> no, actually, that's the last place. It's going to be my email list. Oh, of course. I always try to give a little gift with my emails. I hate spam. I hate it when people are just asking me to buy stuff all the time. Mm. No, I want to give people a little presence in their email box a little modern mudra they can use, a little free download they can download, a meditation. I want people to subscribe to my email list so that they get this announcement later this year with my thing that I'm making. Oh my gosh. Well, you heard it here first. Don't miss out on this awesome upcoming announcement, which you can find on Jim's email list. Hey, Jim, how can people go ahead and sign up for that email list? Go to thedivinehand.com and hit subscribe at the top in the navigation bar. It's just that easy. All right, everybody, no excuses. Get on it. Welcome back. Yay. So in the second half, we're going to talk about knitting circles and witches' covens. Uh, I know. Uh, at first, I was like, these are the same thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I they kind of, I don't know, are they the same thing? I think in in some ways, we kind of had a chat that where uh, we'll, we'll find out the ways that they maybe kind of uh, veer away from each other at a certain point, but um, ultimately... Okay, uh, uh, first, <laughs> what's a group of knitters called? You know how, like, okay, we have a parliament of owls, mm. and we have, like, when we have, like, a murder of crows, uh, and we have, yeah. like, you know, I don't know what a group of alligators is called, but we have these names for, like, groups of, yep. like, type of, you know, whatever. So what's a group of knitters? I'm pretty sure it would be a gossip of knitters, very likely. It's the thing yeah, you do while sitting around thing, in a circle knitting, I think. Yeah, that's that's humorous and cute. Yeah, that's uh -huh. very sweet. What about uh, what about a group of witches? <laughs> I think we figured out that it's an argument of witches. Oh, that's right. Yes. I don't I don't know if that's exact. That's not very flattering. 
But I mean, it could be said with knitters too, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I think, yeah. An opinion no. of knitters, an opinion of witches. Uh, I think that could be true, an opinion of witches. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I like that. Maybe you can think of a better one. If you think of a better group, denim yes. is that what it's called of of a group of knitters or a group of witches please put it tag us send us a message we would love to know what the your humorous name your cute name maybe more complimentary than what we can think of <laughs> for both knitters and or witches would be that would be so fun yeah yeah we'd like to hear your feedback <clears throat> all right uh, so why do we think why do we think these are similar what are some of the things that that make these similar so initially I thought, well, okay, so it's a, a social group is what I assumed. Um, but, you know, there there is a lot of work being done, too. And I suppose it ultimately depends on the type of group it is. But in my uh, experience, anyway, a knitting group is has always been more social. You know, people are usually actively knitting, but it's usually something for themselves, not necessarily something that's like a group project where they're all doing the same thing. That does come occasionally, like there are some um, great movements like for anti-bullying and whatnot, where people are coming together to make hats all at the same time for the same project. And that's very powerful. But uh, I think ultimately the bigger um, group of them are, it's a more social aspect. So Right, it's not called a stitch and bitch for nothing, right? Exactly. They're not a gossip for knitters because they're not talking. So, (laughs) (laughs) Except for that one knitter. That's it's over right. There. Yeah, they yeah. keep quiet and they like to just, you know, lurk and that's fine too. Right. So, um, so yeah. And uh, I'm kind of curious now how your definition of a coven uh, is sort of different than that. Not necessarily well, there's, the same. There's a cute uh, bumper sticker that this reminds me of. You can find some time hmm. that says um, witches do it in circles. <laughs> with the double, the double entendres there because it's really funny, right? Yes. And um, I just think about how if you're going to knit, I've never seen a group of people knitting where they're lined up in a classroom, right? Where you're knitting, you're you're not knitting looking at someone's back unless unless it's so crowded that there's concentric circles of people, right? Or you're in two different sort of circles. It's always little multiple circles of people sort of knitting in little groups, right? Mm. We used to have, I used to work at a cancer center and there was always the knit for life group where people were knitting hats or Mm, shawls or different things for cancer people, for cancer patients. Right. And, um, that was always really a cool like thing that people were doing. Right. Mm. And they were always sitting in a circle. They, we would always have to rearrange the furniture in the room that they were sitting in because they would move it from the standard, you know, sort of classroom setup. Yeah. And they would always mess it up and move it into a big circle. And I was always like, what the heck's going on in here? <laughs> it was always the Knit for Life group that was moving our, our setup into circles, right? Mm-hmm. And so it reminds me of like witches. And I always thought they're doing some kind of pagan mm. ritual in here. No, they were knitting. Kind of, yeah. Really cute, <laughs> Ritualistic right? <Ritualistic> knitting. <laughs> yeah. So I think about how witches do it in circles and that bumper sticker and this is the same thing, right? So we meet in a circle. Circles are super powerful, right? This is how naturally human beings want to meet in a circular um, shape because we all stand equal on the circle. We see each other, right? If, I, yes. if I'm on the perimeter of a circle and I speak, everyone can hear me. Mm-hmm. 
if I'm in the middle of the circle, only half the people or a quarter of the people that I'm speaking to can hear me. Right. Oh, but yeah. if I'm on the circle, everyone can hear and see me. Right. Yes. Um, That's why it was the, the Knights of the Round Table and not the Knights of the Square couple of tables that are over there in the corner. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so when you have a, a, a setup where there's a classroom, there's a person. Well, let's just be honest. The, the guy yeah. at the front of the room you know, there's a hierarchy there. There's an implied hierarchy. When we have a circle, it's a really wonderful, like everyone can contribute, right? Yeah. So there's this really marvelous um, impl- imp- imp- the implication there. And the reality there is really beautiful. Hmm. So we all contribute. And I just think about how when we do witchcraft, we are all participatory. No one is, it's, no one can just watch. When we do magic, no one sits on the sidelines. Mm. You you can't come to, well, we don't have public ritual, but on the occasions when we are doing public ritual, you can't, you can't be a looky loo. You Ah, are either, you have to dance, you Mm. have to participate, right? If you're going to be there, otherwise you're not invited. You can't be there. Yeah. 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 So I, I think you can't really be at a stitch and bitch or a, a knitting circle and not really knit, right? If someone's going to cajole you, someone's going to hand you a couple of knitting needles. and That's right. Even if you don't want to knit, even if that was not your intention, if you find yourself sitting at a knitting circle for long enough, you'll end up knitting. <laughs> or you helping. Will. Or you'll or, be yes. untangling that yep. hank of yarn. Mm-hmm. Or putting price They'll... tags on yarn. You will be involved. <laughs> They'll put you to work. Yes. That's a great point. <laughs> oh my gosh. So so tell me why a circle is so powerful. I mean, you said it's like very um you know, it's like balanced and you do see that like in so much symbology. Um even I was just thinking like the yin yang symbol, it's it's two halves making a circle, right? Um and circles within circles, right? Yes, and spirals. Well, think about nature. A tree, a tree grows in a circle. The, the trunk is a circle. Right. It's general sort of like canopy is, a, is an arc and a circle. Its root structure spreads out in a circle, right? Soap bubbles are a circle. The sun is a circle. The planet is a circle. Our orbit is circular, right? Elliptical, Ooh. like everything. Yes. Every, your cells are circles. Your whole Ooh. body is a series of ellipses. If you've ever taken my, my art classes, all the art classes I've ever taken, what you realize is human beings, there are no actual straight lines in nature. Everything is a series of ellipses, just, just infinitely smaller, right? Mm. Our whole body is just a series of ellipses, ellipses at different sizes. And you can draw the body most accurately by drawing a series of large and small circles. Right. Oh, yes. Seven. And it's just absolutely beautiful to just like draw these little circles all over and just accurately describe in in drawing, you know, the body and everything in nature. Right. Mm -hmm. So we just see the circles are just so prevalent and are just part of what we see. And so we we look to nature. I mean, witchcraft is really about looking to nature as the wisdom, as the source of ultimate wisdom of who we are. Mm. And so the circle becomes this amazing uh, symbol of everything, 
of of wow. of infinite of 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 the connection of all mm. of us right and so it just is we we of course it makes sense that the easiest and most natural way for us to gather without thinking about it if we just link arms mm. if we all hold hands and step out until our hands are linked together and stretch out like 20 people. And we just step back until we're, our hands are sort of taut. We will just form a circle. That's the shape, yeah. right? In, in, in some other reality, in some other dimension, we might naturally form a square because that's just how physics works in that alternate universe. But in our universe, hmm. it's a circle, right? Gosh. And so it's just, that's just how it works. And it's just beautiful, right? It is blowing my mind, actually. <laughs> Even it is. Your energy field is a circle. I mean, like, yeah. everything is a circle. Our eyeballs are Oh, my are God. Circles. Everything <laughs> is a circle. Ah! And now oh. she spirals in a circle down into the circle of the underworld of a circle. And right. we'll see her in a That's few right. circles. I'll, I'll spoop back up like a Taurus. <laughs> right the Taurus up. symbol. Ah! The Taurus symbol is a circle. Wow. Yeah, we're a Taurus making factory. Wow. <laughs> well, and think about the cycles. A cycles is conceptualized as a circle. Yeah. And it spirals, right? Mm. We and we look at like the cycles of the year as circles, as spirals, right? Yeah. So pretty amazing. Well, even if if you think about it, and maybe you haven't thought about it yet because you haven't made one and that's not your fault. Um, a cowl. Uh, in knitting, when done in the round, is not actually a circle. It's a spiral, much like, um, you know, the barber's pole. So each circle isn't stacking right on top of each other. You know, the last one is going just slightly up to do the next level. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it's it's very interesting that, well, let again, me let me tell you that you are not knitting anything but spirals because... <laughs> I mean, everything you knit is a spiral because as you go back and forth, even on a regular yeah. like stitch, you're going back and forth and it's kind of a spiral. Even if you wear that scarf, you think you knit a scarf, but it's wrapping around your neck. It's wrapping around in a circle. Like everything is okay. Oh we'll gosh. stop now. Oh my gosh. I so <laughs> huh. that's why circles are powerful. Yeah. Wow. So okay. they symbolize unity connection, infinite, the, our origin, they are very much a part of us in a part of our DNA. Hmm. Um, and because everything is a circle, like it gets back to the hermetic principle of like, and, the, and, and like the magical principles and just how everything is like every, all is yeah, one, all like connected. everything is together. Yeah. Well, that's and it, it, it really speaks to the, the divine connection of all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, now that we've talked about the basics of what, you know, a knitting circle is and what a coven is, um, tell me a little bit more about the differences. I mean, I think the biggest difference I've seen is the social aspect. Uh, like we were talking about, what's what do you want from your coven that would be different from what a knitting circle is going to offer? Right. Well, I think there's a lot of um, similarity you know, between these two things, you, you were talking about um, the social aspect. And I think that there is a lot to be said about the social aspect of, you know, both of these things, but both uh, um, a knitting circle doesn't exist without the knitting, 
mm-hmm. right? Like a book club doesn't exist without the books. Otherwise, it's just we're getting together for wine and cheese and, <laughs> you know, talking, right? Mm. Which sometimes happens. But without the without the thing that we're meeting about, then it's just like a social event. Mm. So without the knitting, then it's just people getting together, hanging out, right? So the knitting is the pillar around which we circle. Mm. And it's not a pillar in the way. It's a pillar. It's, a, it's what facilitates us getting together. So it isn't just a social club. Mm. The social aspect is, excuse me, the social aspect is secondary to the knitting and actually Uh. is a function of the knitting. Without the knitting, if I went into a knitting circle and confiscated everyone's knitting, the social aspect of the knitting group would quickly fall away and have a bunch of angry people chasing me. That you would. Good point. That I would. Real, real mad. People would be real mad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know they don't make those? I would have people chasing me. They don't make those nickel-plated needles anymore. Give those back. You're taking all my stitches fell off. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be there. Not too much panic. There'd be a lot of anger. I would be beaten to a pulp with knitting bags. Yeah. Poked in the eye with needles. Yes. The Mm -hmm. nicest ladies turn into the meanest ladies. The meanest ladies all of a sudden. So that's a really important thing. So when I think about the social aspects, we, we love that part of it, but it is really not the re it's not the thing. It's not a social club. It's a knitting club, Mm -hmm. many a knitting circle. Well, I don't know about knitting circles. Many a coven have fallen apart because people have mistaken the coven Mm -hmm. for the social, for a social club. Yes. Yes, I think I know. Has that happened? Has that happened with knitting circles where they focus too much on the socialization and not enough on the knitting? Absolutely. Sure has. Yeah. Seems to, uh, seems to be prevalent everywhere. There's people as it turns out. Mm -hmm. Or the, or maybe Julie and Gina broke up and now the knitting circle fell apart because there's tension, too much tension in the yarn. Half of the people are on Julie's side and half of the people are on Gina's side, but they're all still knitting. So what's the big, I I know. Yeah. Yeah. And suddenly whatever you're knitting, that project, the, the, the fabric gets real tight and it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. See how I know knitting enough to make those jokes. Hey, he knows. (laughs) So on our website, there's some interesting things about covens that I think are interesting to sort of read. And um, I'll read some of them, which is inspired by what is a coven by the forest, um, uh, by Forest Batura. It's an article, but a coven is an intentional community of committed individuals actively practicing together. Hmm. It is not a club that just requires membership without attendance or practice. I love it. How does that relate with knitting? Do you think that's similar? A hundred (laughs) percent. You can't just show up and not knit. Yeah. Why are you there? You would be looked at as strange. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, I'd be the weirdo lurker who's like, are you looking at me or are you coveting my yarn? Or like, 
get your paws out of my alpaca. Mm-hmm. And usually the people who are there that aren't participating don't want to be there. So it's not really like a positive uh, energy situation there. Right. They're like, I'm ready to go home. I just came here to drop off this person. I have to stay because they can't drive. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And they're over in the corner. They're reading a magazine or they're flip doom scrolling on Facebook or playing World of Warcraft on their phone. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two. A coven is a close-knit group of people sharing intimate space and profound experiences with each other. It is not a substitute for family. Ah. Uh, oh. A little harsh, right? Oh, that's uh that's the number one. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know if it's the right group of knitting if it's the right knitting circle. Do you get, do you get deep to people? Does it become? Oh, yeah. uh, I would say like intimate? going to your knitting circle is like going to your hairdresser is like, you know, oh. going to your bartender. You spill the tea about all of the things that are happening. Usually like, unlike that statement, these are usually like your friends and your family. And for a variety of sure. reasons, not a substitute <laughs> for, but they're like it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay, how about this one? Yes. This might be a place where it's different. Okay. A coven is a congregation of clergy who choose to utilize the shared language of a spiritual tradition. It is not a church of people following a single priest or supporting an institution, meaning we're all priests and priestesses on a circle. We're not following the grand poobah. Yeah. I think that could apply to knitting to well, there isn't like, I guess a grand poobah of like, welcome to of the knitting. Katie Rempe, the Katie Rempe and light from lantern knitting circle. You yeah. are going to knit the traveler's talisman. And I'm going to be the only person that can show you how. That's right. I mean, maybe. I'm the only one that can tell you how to knit and there's no other way to do it. But yeah. That's a, that's a knitting class. That's not a knitting circle. Right. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't say there's like a cult leader of knitters or anything. That's like, <laughs> wait, the, I thought that was one. I thought that was Stephen West. Aren't we all like, ah, ah there he does he have is, a large fan group. I will. He's say amazing. That. I love him. <laughs> well deserved. Yeah. Well deserved. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's, I have two more. It's just all fun. Right. Yes. I love it. It is an experiential, mysterious and non-linear. Many lessons are discovered rather than taught. So it's not a conventional school. Teachings aren't always obvious. So we discover through experience. We discover as we go. Yeah. Well, what better way to learn than to uh, knit something, not do it right, unknit it, do it again, right? Yeah. So kind of, yeah. The rip out. Mm -hmm. We learn more from the rip out. From the mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Last one. A coven is a place to discover your own power within, your own path, and your own strength. It is not a support group, a 12-step program, or therapy. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Ditto for knitting. Not a therapy replacement. They're your friends, but they're they're not your shrink. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yarn does shrink if you wash it in hot water. So please make sure you block your your finished products properly. Yes, that's right. Always read the label. <laughs> Are you sure you don't knit? Have I been I have broken no joke idea. this whole time? 
I live with knitters and crocheters. <laughs> I live with a, I married to a crocheter. So oh, this is why I know true. things. Oh, right. Well, yeah. that's good. That's good. Also, I'm gay. I do wash things. I do laundry. I've destroyed garments. Oh, you're tidy. That's nice. Yeah, I'm tidy. Oh. So it's all about setting expectations from what I'm hearing here. Because probably someone after looking at your website there uh, isn't going to just show up and be like, oh, I'm here for the social hour. Eh, probably not. Yeah, especially since we don't put our address out there. But yeah. <laughs> well, that helps too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And it it's funny, you know, because... I I have, you know, I have enjoyed knitting circles and I have seen the nice things that they can do and I've seen the more dramatic things that can happen. And uh, I have to say that after a long period of time being involved in one, I had zero desire to be involved in any sort of knitting circle for a long time. And I've only just now kind of come around to that. Do you think that's kind of a, a typical experience? Yeah. Do you have a little... Um, uh black eye from being in one or something. Oh, Do you have a little know, bit of emotional. a bruise from yeah, <laughs> emotional bruising from that? Yeah. yeah. I think that there's a difference between a social group and a working group. And, you know, um, I think the, sometimes things become like they're social or the social gets out of control, the group dynamics, the emotions kind of get out of control, the like mm-hmm. whole like drama of whatever. And it, it loses its focus is that this is about the knitting And then people can become solitary, but then you can get a little lonely. And if you don't heal from the social experience or don't have a way to do that. And just to reference ritual again, we have a ritual around how, because dynamics are going to happen. I'm going to step on your toes. I'm going to screw up. Right. And we need a ritual in order to heal the social dynamics when Mm. I poke, I accidentally poke you with my knitting needle or when I accidentally stick my wand in your face and it's an, an inevitably an, an accident, right? Mm. We have a ritual to heal that. We have a ritual that is not just spiritual bypassing, but it's real, like admitting when I'm, mm-hmm. I was wrong, talking about it, having real healing and then coming back together. And so if we don't have that way to heal socially, then we're not, we're going to leave people hurt and and sort of that creates some solitary practitioners, I believe, yeah. in both making and in witchcraft mm-hmm. that don't need to be there. And so our group and what we're committed to is being able to have healed, conscious, evolved, embodied group practice that has us be um, powerful in the world. Because when we do magic together, we are mm-hmm. stronger. And I think when we make together we learn from each other and we do, we're able to up our game and do amazing work, right? Absolutely. You see the gestalt of it. Working on something more difficult than maybe you would, and you see, oh, it's not that hard. Or maybe they're working on some, you know, your guys are all working on a spell together, and you see, oh, maybe I wouldn't have been comfortable doing this on my own, but in the group setting. Yeah, it's um, it's very powerful. It can be just as beneficial as non-beneficial if you let it. <laughs> Think about what we did when on the episode Katie Learns Magic. Yeah. When we did that candle magic spell, we did it together. And right. would you have ever done that on your own? Well, maybe. But how fun was it to do it with a, with a friend? Oh, who yeah. Who you trust? I, I wouldn't have learned half uh, the amount of things on my own. Um, you know, just having um, your cousin there as well, too, as another person to have feedback from. 
I have always loved working in groups. So for me, I can always find the value in that. Yeah. Yeah. It really is a a much deeper experience. Yeah. Same with knitting. When I learned knitting with you and you Mm -hmm. were showing me and it was on Zoom because it was still in the pandemic. And I was like, oh, I do this way and I do that way. And then I had Michael here to show me his way of doing it Mm -hmm. and the encouragement and everything was awesome. Yeah. So it's just uh, so fun finding what works for you and a group that, uh, you know, correlates with what you're trying to get out of it. So, you know, you're going to a social group to do work. It's probably not going to work out well for anybody. (laughs) And if you're going to a group and you just end up socializing. Yeah. Also pretty lame. Yeah. Yeah. Read the room. (laughs) Yeah. Social is great. Yeah. if that's what it's for. So, well, this has been super fun talking about ritual, talking about groups and group dynamics. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Speaking of groups, uh, aren't you going to a conference that's virtual at some point soon? I am. I'm actually presenting at a conference Friday. I don't know the day that I'm presenting quite yet. It will be known by the time this episode is airing. However, there is Astro Magia conference, Astro Magia conference. A-S-T-R-O-M-A-G-I-A.org. It is an online conference Friday, September 17th through Sunday, September 19th of 2021. I am teaching the planetary power in your palms, the modern mudras you can create using hand gestures, and you can register at astromagia.org. It will be an amazing conference with tremendous, phenomenal presenters, including my cousin, who we just mentioned, and other fantastic presenters, my astrology teacher, Dr. Jen Zart, my cousin, Reverend Charlie McCurry, and others. So I highly recommend uh, checking that out, astromagia.org. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to put all of the links in the show notes for everyone's easy reference. I have really a big fan of uh, cozies. Like I hate it when drinks get my hands cold in this household. We always have cozies around beer cans. It's like Richard has it from his childhood and you have these amazing cozies that we're still using all summer. So if you want to knit some cozies so you can tell your drinks apart and use them around your beer cans for the last stretch of summer, I believe in summer. I'm a summer boy. You can find them and other amazing patterns, including the Traveler's Talisman and others, or get signed up to know when those are released at Light From Lantern and the brilliance of Katie Rempe, lightfromlantern.com or on Instagram at lightfromlantern because Katie is amazing. Oh, well, gee, thank you so much, Jim. And uh, ditto. Obviously, I wouldn't be making a podcast with just anybody. Uh, If you want to find out more about Jim and what he has going on, make sure to stop over to his website, thedivinehand.com, where you can sign up for his newsletter, find out about all the cool happenings on his end. And you can also follow him on Instagram at divinehandjim. Hurrah! Yay! Thank you. Awesome. Well... That's uh, another wrap of a great episode. Until next week, Jim. Until next week, I hope people let us know what is a knitting circle called? What is a witch's coven called? What's that group name? Tag us on social. Send us a message. Let us know. We want to know. And until next week. That's right. We'll be waiting for your review. We'll see you next week. I'll hold my breath. Okay. (laughs) See you next week. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. This episode is a wrap. 
If you enjoyed what you heard, go ahead and follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. And don't forget, you can see full video episodes of Knit a Spell on Light from Lantern's YouTube channel.